0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. If you're new to Career Crossroads, welcome, and if you're not new, welcome back. I'm Jonathan Colleton, and this is the podcast where I talk to one person each week about all the decisions that led to their current career path. This week, I talked to Ivan Liu in Sydney, Australia. He found a Reddit thread of mine where I was looking for podcast guests, and he seemed like he'd be a great fit for the show. So let's listen to his interview, and then afterwards, I will share some of what I think we can learn from Ivan. Ivan, welcome to Career Crossroads. How are you doing today?
1: Going well. Thanks for inviting me, Jonathan.
0: I'm super thrilled that you're here, and we should talk right now about the distance between us and how, (laughs) thankfully, the online world has allowed us to communicate this way. You are in Sydney, Australia, aren't you?
1: Yes, all across, the, all around the different world. <laughs> yeah, so, so six,
0: 16 hour time difference. So it's uh, seven p.m. for me, but it's noon for or uh, eleven a.m. for you, right? Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, and and for you, it's my tomorrow. So gotta love that that we can find a way to connect and do things thanks to the tools we have in front of us. So I'm really curious to hear about your career path. And so why don't you start by taking me back to what it was like for you when you were in high school? What were you like? What was your family like? What are the different things that influenced you? Because I always think that it's really around that age when people start to think about what they're going to be doing next.
1: Right. Um, That's a great question. So I, in high school, so I was very different to how I am at the moment. So I was way, way, way more quiet. Um, So I, I, I really wasn't that kid who would be willing to an interview it simply wasn't something i would be interested in doing right so um i was the typical kind of the typical kind of kid studying um a lot of maths english very academic actually i was quite academic um, so i always had a knack for studying um and learning things and at the time right i think I i really don't know if that's when i decided to do what i wanted to do because obviously with career crossroads everything's going to change. Things are going to change. Um, and at, the, at at that kind of point in time of my life, I was very driven to maybe take on a corporate career because um, my brother followed um, a similar pathway, worked at the banks and whatnot. Um, and so I was very driven to follow uh, this kind of corporate pathway. And so um, I think in high school, that's, that's what I thought I was going to do. But we all know that didn't turn out.
0: Yeah. Now, the, I like the idea of your brother kind of being a sort of a driver in, in that. Is he older or younger?
1: He's older. He's two years older.
0: He's older. Okay. So did you feel that sense of, was it just sort of wanting to follow in his footsteps maybe, or was it like a sense of competition to like prove that you could do that also?
1: I think, I think it's a bit of both um, because there's obviously a lot of respect. i um, seeing like my brother go through and achieve things in his life. Um, that's inspirational. So I think there is some true, like, Oh, I would love to be like that. Um, and, and of course there is that side of competition, which is, I wish I could beat it. <laughs> um, I think a tiny bit of that, right. And, um, obviously with two brothers that can happen a lot. Um, so yeah, a bit of both.
0: Mm. Now, were you raised in Sydney as well? Yes. Okay. So you've been there the whole time pretty much. Well, maybe not, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out as we, uh, as we continue here. So yeah. as you're wrapping up high school, what direction do you want to go in? I mean, you know, I know you've had that general sense of like, oh, you've mentioned finance or business, mm-hmm. but like was the idea, I'm gonna to go to university and I'll get a degree and then I'll do X, or was it just, I'm gonna to go to university because education's the next step?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the mindset back then, especially for um, a lot of us, not even just me, like a lot of my peers had a similar mindset is you want to go into a degree or some kind of next level education. That gives you the most options, um, because, for example, say someone who um, studies like biomedical engineering, there's only like there's only so many pathways you can head into, right? Probably something along of creating um, medical devices, right? And so all of a sudden, right, for a lot of us, we wanted to keep things open, and studying commerce seemed to be the best option. Um, and so for me personally, I I, I kind of went into education just as a way to keep my doors open. And I think there's pros and cons of either. But yeah, I'm definitely kind of heading into uh, university with the ideas of still keeping things a bit more open.
0: All right. Now, what specific degree then did you think was going to give you that sort of open, I can use it for a lot of different things? Was there one that you really nailed down on early on? Or did you think, I'll just take some courses here, I'll take some courses there, and then I'll figure it out?
1: Right, right. Um, I I think with... I'm not sure how it works in the States, but in um, in Australia, you choose your degree first. And then as you choose your degree, right, you then decide on your majors, majors and minors. And that kind of determines maybe the specialty that you had. Um, and so I chose a Bachelor of Commerce because there's, there's so many majors you could do under, under there. You can go to finance, economics, accounting, or all these different, different majors, right? Um, so uh, I actually thought more about just choosing the degree. And from maybe that first year or the second year, where you kind of get a bit of a taster of all these different, um, different, different courses, then you build your majors from there.
0: Gotcha. So I'm actually Canadian, but it is similar oh, oh, here where right. you would do the same type of thing. You pick your your degree and then at the end of your first year, you kind of select your major. Often people, you're kind of applying into the university for that program, but you can't yeah. actually be admitted to that until after your first year till you can sort of prove that I guess you've got the stuff for it. Is it. Maybe, right, yeah. Yeah. maybe that's how it's, uh, you know, I work at a university. I should know this, but I work on the non-academic side. So cool. it's uh, not my expertise. All right. So you as you go through university was, did you ever have more clarity about like, you know, you saw with a lot of people, it's like they see a TV show and then they're like, Oh, I should do that. Or Mm. did you just keep thinking like, were you getting summer jobs that you thought would help you kind of pick what exactly you wanted to do after, or what sort of drove you over the course of university into the place you headed?
1: Absolutely. So, um, it's interesting because you you mentioned how when you watch TV you get inspiration and you see a lifestyle that you wanted to go for. I think for me the big driving force was at, at university. What I didn't want to do, what I did what I didn't want to do. Um, for example, um, I, I did a lot of intern's and a lot of different placements throughout university, um, and I studied a lot of different courses as well. And so, for example, I actually went into um, my degree as a, a a dual degree, and so what that was was a, a commerce degree. And then actuarial studies. And gosh, when I when I was studying actuarial studies, I was like, this is not for me. I do not want to be calculating premiums um, and calculating when people are gonna pass. And that, that just wasn't for me. And so then, because I knew I didn't want to want to do that, then I moved to a straight kind of commerce degree. Um, and as I kind of went through and did some internships, I started to realize what I didn't like as well. For example, my first kind of uh, first kind of little intern. Was as an account payable, accounts payable um, at a little kind of um, private equity firm, and for me personally, the, the work was really, really dry. You're going through documentation, making sure you put it into um, all your, like your different accounting systems, and just processing things. Processing things. But I think for me, that gave me great clarity. I never wanted to be in the backend, mm. um, and, and that for me kind of switched me off. Um, and then, and then by the time I went to my next role. Which was still in accounting, but I worked as an auditor um, um, at a big kind of a uh, big company, and that again showed me some things that I did like, but I also didn't like. So I really loved the whole client experience, working with people, getting um, results for them. But then I didn't quite like that idea of looking at numbers, looking at numbers, looking at numbers. Not still, still, still wasn't quite the thing that I enjoyed. Um, and that finally led to my um, my graduate role, which was at a um, a IT firm. I was working at Accenture for a while, um, and so that kind of what the the previous two roles, from what I didn't like, then pushed me towards Accenture. So I think that's what really drove me throughout university.
0: Hmm. You know, it's funny, right? How often we think about like, what made you want to do that? And
1: sometimes
0: (laughs) it's actually the things that you don't want driving you away from, from that into something else, right? And
1: and
0: it's, um, it's like, you can't even really see what's in front of you because you're worried about what's behind you and what you're running from. (laughs) And then you end up at, uh, wherever you end up. So, uh, you said Accenture, is that like a commerce bank or something like that?
1: So, so Accenture is a, they're a a pretty big company. So they, they specialize in a lot of different things, but I think one way to think of them is their client service. So they have a lot of different services that they perform. For example, if like a bank wants to completely switch out the way they do their accounting, where well, the guys are coming in and do it. Mm. But then if they also need a bit of strategy, so for example, should we even be switching our technology? Then we, we're also there. So we kind of provide this kind of full service. Um, and depending on where you are, we kind of give we tailor different services i i was more in a bit of management consulting so i was mm. kind of looking at more um the through processes and whatnot um versus more from the tech side but i did have a bit of experience there um so yeah that, that's what Accenture does
0: gotcha do you know do you know the company
1: deloitte deloitte yes
0: because from my my understanding is deloitte does some of that same work but maybe i'm way
1: off yeah no absolutely um uh they Deloitte started off as more of like an accounting firm, I think. Mm. So they did a lot of that. And then they branched out into like tax and then consulting, which is like helping businesses grow.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I think Accenture started more from IT side. Like learning- you know it's it's funny, mm. right?
0: I think it really depends on your each person's experience. Cause the reason I know Deloitte is my buddy was an IT consultant for them, working on mm. software for their clients. So it's funny how like Yeah uh, while they are primarily an accountant firm, because I think I, I actually know that as well, I my experience with them has been more from their IT consulting side. So um yeah. so anyway, the company you were working for did you get that role like right out of graduating, or was it something that you had an internship in so that they just brought you back?
1: I um I didn't do an intern with them, um, but I went through the recruitment process in my final year. Mm. Um so they do that a lot um in our penultimate year. So you right after you've done like a couple of interns, that final year of university, you then go apply for these grad roles. So you're not kind of waiting or like trying to like frantically go for one like right after you graduate. Right. right. So I did have that lined up before I finished.
0: You know, that's the value of a degree like that where there's no real – fear, as long as you're good at what you do, right? Like you're going to mm. get recruited basically by somebody because these are huge companies and they need lots of people to do that. And they're always yeah. looking for people. And it's funny, the same guy I was mentioning, he ended up starting at a bank and they had recruited him before he even graduated. So he had that same type of experience where he knew he was going to end up working at the bank doing, mm. uh, IT consulting for them. Whereas my experience was a little bit different and that I had yeah. about eight months before I found the job I was actually kind of looking for. So, uh, Really, the the choice of degree can impact very much your early experience in the job market. I think
1: exactly, and to each their own. I mean, like like it doesn't really matter where you go to. i um, like as long as you're heading in the direction you want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: So with Ascent, is it Ascentura? Am I saying that right?
1: Uh, Accenture, Accenture,
0: Accenture. Oh, Accenture. Gotcha. All right. With Accenture, when you got there, were you? Did you feel like it kind of fit with what you were looking for? You said you like that more client-facing role. It, it seems like sitting in a room crunching numbers, not your thing, but actually talking to people, being involved with the clients was more your speed.
1: Absolutely. So I, I was there for about six months um, and I think that was by far one of my most enjoyable roles because you get to meet a lot of people. Um, I mean, that's that's just the nature of the business, meeting all these different people, seeing if you can build relationships, right? Um, and also quite a bit of a challenge because I remember the first the first engagement or like the first kind of uh, project I got to work on, I got sent to this big bank with two other graduates. And then from there, we were literally working for like their senior managers. Like these guys were pretty high up in the chain and we were just helping them execute things after we're well, building like dashboards, building all these cool stuff. And Maybe like six months back, I didn't know how to build. Like, I didn't even know how to use Excel that well. Um, Mm. But because you get thrown in in the deep end, which I kind of really digged, I really liked that. um, It got me to grow a lot. Just learn so much in such a short span of time. And I think that's the beauty of like firms like Deloitte. And those guys are like, they just throw in the deep end (laughs) as part of the process.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Now, at what point did it switch for you where, you know, you said you were kind of like shy and didn't really want to do interviews and stuff when you were younger. But then Mm. when you... Was it those roles, those uh, internships where you started to realize, like, did you really come out of your shell there? Is that how you realized you actually enjoyed that?
1: I, I think it would have been um, like entering university because in high school, you've got your cohort. You've got people you spend like five days a week with, maybe sometimes even six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, when you jump into university, you've you've obviously still got those connections, but a lot of times you're thrown into these really new environments people who you've never really met before in like your first kind of class. And I mean, if you don't wanna be bored, you gotta start uh, like speaking to them, you gotta start uh, making some friends. And I think for me, I realized, okay, um, it's actually really fun, like meeting all these new people, especially some guys who are really cool. Um, And that kind of catalyzed things. And as I started doing more roles or whatnot, I just learned how to deal with people a bit better, but really going to university and meeting all these new people, that for me was like, wow, this is cool.
0: Awesome. All right. And so in that first job that you had, you said it was about six months you were there. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: after six months, like, did you have a, was it a contract job or a full-time job? Or why would you leave after six months? Really what changed?
1: Right. So uh, I, I was there for six months and um, I, as amazing as it was meeting all these people or whatnot, I, th- I think there's just a certain feeling you get when you know you're not doing the thing you need to be doing. Because I I didn't mention like alongside this whole journey from high school um, to university and then to my first role, I was learning how to sing. So I was learning how I was taking voice lessons. I was working with some people around the world, learning from them. And I, if I really looked at the way I spent my time, it almost felt as if I was shaping and spending like kind of shaping things around that activity, even like a full-time kind of role. I was kind of shaping it around my singing right? I would come home, I practice, practice, practice. And then, then I go to work, think about practicing (laughs) come back to practice and then practice again. Right. Um, and so it kind of hit me where I I can't really be doing this for the next 45, 40, 50 years of my life. Um, I think the way it would be, the way to spend it would be much better if I maybe had that as a focus, find a way to make a living there, find a way to make money off that, and then maybe have some things that go around it. Some things that obviously aren't as important. And so for, B, for me, that was just like a like a seed that just kept growing in my mind. Like it just kept growing until the point where I was like, hey, I think I need to do something about this. Um, and so at that six month point, I decided to see if I could, um, I actually switched into like a digital marketing role because I wanted to see if I can study how to build like an online business. Hmm. Um, because um, for, for a lot of the listeners out there, um, at the moment, I'm, I've got a completely online business. I'm coaching people all around the world from the comfort of my own home. So I, I've been I've been doing this for the past two and a bit years. But that kind of came from understanding how to really market yourself online much better. Um, and so that's really what kind of catalyzed me to kind of jump out. Because I know a lot of people would go, oh, only six months. But when you have something you're trying to do, you have to go for it.
0: Mhm. So you really you almost work backwards. Like you you looked at it and said, "Okay, in the future I want to do this, but for me to get there, I have to learn how to build my own online business. Mm. So I should leave the job I have and jump into something like uh online marketing, digital marketing that would allow me to get the skill set I need to then run my business on my own." Absolutely. Wow. Now, did you multiple questions here. One, did you have any sort of regrets about like, now I don't know what the cost of university is like in Australia, mm. but, mm. but here to go to university and then to do what you did for six months and then mm. be like, ah, I'll do something else. There'd probably be a lot of people who are paying off student loans at that point in time who are like, I can't leave because, or I shouldn't leave because I'm still worried about using my degree. Did you mm. have any of those fears or did digital marketing seem like just a pretty easy way to switch into something else that was still going to be using what you learned in your degree?
1: I, I think there's always going to be a hint of, ah, have I, have I made the wrong choice? Um, there's always, even to this day, right? Like even even though now I'm kind of working full-time teaching and doing my own thing, there's still moments where i wished okay maybe maybe i shouldn't have done this maybe i should go back for um gone back to like a comfy kind of corporate role of course there is um but i think there's always gonna be different voices in your head but you need to learn to choose the one that really rings out for you and uh, when i was kind of making that switch into the digital marketing role yes it was different it might not have correlated as much with my degree, degree as i'd like but i can't really let something in the past govern my future um, I think that's, that's the most important thing, right? Because we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna make the wrong choices sometimes, but what's more important is going, okay, well, where do I wanna be next? Where do I wanna kind of focus on next? And then take the steps there. Um, e- even like with the digital marketing, I I don't know if that helped me a whole ton, but I think it was what I thought at the moment was the right move. And sometimes you gotta go for that.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that point. That makes a lot of sense, right? Like, yeah. You can only let a mistake bother you for so long. And that's even if it really is a mistake, right? Because you've got to live with the choices you've made literally forever. So you might as (laughs) well just accept like, okay, I did this and now I'm going to move on and figure out what I'm going to do next. So, so the transition to digital marketing, that's what I really want to hear about because it doesn't sound like what you were doing before really gave you like from my end, I'm not hearing the skill set overlap. So how Mm -hmm. easy or hard was it for you to find a job doing that?
1: Mm, it, to be honest, I'm not gonna lie. I, I know a lot of people are gonna hate me for this, c- just because of COVID. It, it it wasn't actually hard at all. Um, so I, I think this is a little strategy I use a lot of times when I'm like kind of scouting out for new roles. I would shortlist a couple of companies that I are, are in the industry that I'd like. See um, who are the top players, right? And then find employees that work for them and just shoot up for a coffee chat. I'll just shoot a DM and go, hey, let's let's chat. Um, uh, a- a- any room to Um, to kind of help out and a lot of times that leads to a lot of places just simply finding people who work at the companies you want to work for and then reaching out to them setting up a coffee chat most people are more than happy to do that
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: maybe not now maybe not now Um, but previously that that was a really easy thing and so um, that made it a lot easier to kind of transition digital marketing I think it, it from looking to maybe actually getting a role maybe about two weeks
0: Wow. So quite that's, quick, yeah. That is mm. very quick. Yeah. So, so for one, I do want to say that I totally agree with you that most people are happy to, if somebody reaches out to them and is like, Hey, you have expertise I want. Can you talk to me about that? Most mm. people are flattered and they're going to talk to you about it. They're going to sit down and have a coffee or whatever and talk about like, yeah, here's what I do in my business. And, and they're going to be willing to offer you some insight because mm they realize that you see them as sort of an expert in their field enough for enough of one anyway, that Mm, that's mm. who you chose to talk to, right? You chose to message them to, uh, to to get some expertise from and i i love that because i can totally relate to that i have a coffee chat this weekend with a guy from barcelona who saw me post about uh podcasts on an online forum and was like hey can we talk so i got a call with him this weekend so people are willing to help if you ask right like yeah yeah i want to see other people be successful having a podcast as well because it's a lot of fun and i like doing this type of stuff so of course i'm going to chat with this guy um okay but the actual like skill transfer for you. What mm, was like, mm. you know, from a random Wednesday at your job to then moving into digital marketing a random Wednesday, mm. how much of how much overlap was there from like the actual tasks you were doing and the skills that you learned? How much did they overlap?
1: Right, right. Um I, I think I think the thing that really does overlap is soft skills, right? Being able to kind of work yes. with people, your team, your clients. That that stuff is timeless. And I think um, like when I was at Essential, definitely working with these guys who had much more seniority than me and being able to kind of stand your own feet, that was very, very important. And that obviously crossed over. Now, I think the technical part, like learning how to do like SEO, doing like AdWord, like all that kind of stuff was probably a bit more difficult for me. Um, There was definitely like a learning curve because I think it's, whenever you go into like a new kind of industry or whatnot, it's the jargon that kind of sets people off. Because if you really understand a lot of the concepts, none of them are terribly hard, but they just put some big fancy word around it to the point where you're like, oh, what does that even mean? Same thing could apply in singing, to be honest. Mm. Um, And I think it was just understanding the jargon, being able to use it. Um, And to be honest, I wasn't there for long, so I didn't spend too much time there. Um, But being able to kind of pick up the jargon, uh, I think that was the biggest learning curve, to be honest.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Mm. Now, one thing I'm curious about too is with the, that coffee meeting that you had, or however many coffee meetings you ended up having, and then finally somebody you talked to them. And was that somebody from a smaller business who offered you a role, or was it a bigger company? Because I have found in my experience, it's mm-hmm. much easier to get hired at a smaller, smaller business when you can talk directly to the people who are running the show than at mm-hmm. some large sort of corporation where you know their HR's got to vet people first. Yeah, and, yeah. Because yeah. I, I'm a little surprised because I would think that. And and this is not a slight on you. You seem like a great guy, but if if 50 people were applying to a job in digital marketing and a bunch of them mm-hmm. had marketing degrees, I wouldn't even think you would get an interview. So that's why I'm so impressed by this and that's why I'm so curious about it.
1: Yeah, um so it was definitely um a big to small company move. So Accenture's got about, gosh, like hundreds and thousands of employees. Yeah. Um this company maybe had about 30-40. Um so they 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 were they were looking for people, of course, and that made it easier. Um, I think the most important thing, right, is like, I feel like with people as long as you can meet them and leave a good impression you don't even necessarily have to show you've got the qualifications. As long as they like you and you show that you're willing to learn and be the be, obviously be the person that they they need you to be then they're more likely to hire you anyway. Um, because it's very rare to find a guy who's like, got every single skill ticked off. Yeah, yeah. Um, as much as like, there's so many qualified people out there, but sometimes like it's really about choosing the right person based off their personality, based off someone, maybe like the way they interact with people. I think that's what really clicked me across um, because they just, I guess they just like me as a person.
0: That's awesome. That's Mm. a great like story about how it doesn't matter if you don't, you know, you can look at a job application and like, even if you don't have, everything they're looking for if you are the right fit because you fit with their culture you've got the right personality and Mm -hmm. you've proven that you can learn then it Mm -hmm. really doesn't matter right as long as you put in the work and you can do it so that's awesome yeah now you said you weren't there for very long so what was the the catalyst that led you to not be there for very long
1: right um well i think i think the main the biggest thing was realizing that that wasn't it as well um, and, and like, I, I know my journey has been a lot of, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. And I, I, I like, who knows, like maybe this isn't it either, but I think for me, I'm always a guy who kind of look, keeps looking forward. And the moment I realize that the, is a the moment I need to move, take my next action. And for me, what, what I, the biggest thing I had in the back of my mind is, um, I always loved music. I wanted to be a part of music and kind of get a career in music. Right. But I never kind of took it because obviously inspiration from brother, university pressures all these different things right but i think once i kind of had that clarity which is i've worked so many different roles and it, it just wasn't it um i was thinking to myself okay well i need to find a music like a korean music um and the best way i kind of thought of was okay well why not start building my own kind of coaching business let's see if i can kind of um, help some people out with singing i can maybe develop my voice a bit more and and along the way right learn more about music because i think like like i, I just don't remember who said this quite right but if you Say if you wanted to work um, uh, like to be like a soccer player, like the world's best soccer player, I think it helps to know some of the people there.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: how do you get to know those people? Maybe you have to even work as a janitor at a club, who knows, right? Um, but I think for me, it's I had to get into that vicinity, you get into that that bubble for me to kind of take things to the next career, to the next level. And that's, that's what I've done. I, I wanted to build a bit of a, um, a, a career in voice lessons, voice coaching. Um and so once I kind of had enough clients that's when I uh, did a bit of that switch and moved into this.
0: Okay so so it sounds like the whole time on the side you were already building up that business even though you know it sounded before like you got into that marketing role to figure out how to start building up your business but you were already yeah. kind of doing it along the way. Yes yes yes. Gotcha. And what was the sort of tipping point where you felt like you were ready to go and leave your you know Monday to Friday full-time gig? to do just music because I think I've thought about this before too. Like if I was ever to be able to make enough money doing a podcast and podcast related activities, uh, to, Mm -hmm. to, to leave my job, I thought about it and I realized I don't need to make, I don't need to make enough, like the same money I'm making in my job right now, but Mm -hmm. I need to make enough so that I could know that I could cover my bills for like six months with some savings Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. And then in six months of working full-time doing podcast stuff, instead of just mm. uh, doing it on the side, I would, you know, that's when I would know, okay, I'd have that much time to build it up. And I think I could do it in that amount of time. So for you, mm. did you have a mindset similar to that? Or were you kind of at the point where you're like, oh, I make plenty of money doing this on the side now. So I can just leave my full-time job.
1: Definitely not like that. <laughs> Cause um I- I'm pr- I'm pretty impatient as a guy. So I, I think maybe, maybe I'm going to retract some of my words. So I actually took a leap of faith. And so I, I, I left without, because for me, right, the biggest thing is um, I, I didn't have that many expenses at the time. I wasn't really like paying for like rent or like paying all these crazy expenses. It wasn't it wasn't really paying for a kid either. Um, and so I, I when I did the calculations on my own, I really didn't need that much to survive. Um, and so once I had just bare minimum with clients, I took the leap.
0: Yeah. And what,
1: what I did do actually though, to kind of safeguard, I took a little part-time job on the side um, just a little kind of retail role, right? Um, and like, and a lot of people might have gone like, "Oh, why didn't you stay with the 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 corporate, like the the full time gig?" But the only problem with that was I couldn't have that time flexibility, mm-hmm. right? It was eating my nine to five, and I wanted to build a nine to five teaching there. And so when I worked um, uh, for this kind of retail, all of a sudden I could get maybe one to two shifts a week, but then have the capacity to build that kind of nine to five with my teaching gig. Um, and so. I think sometimes, right, you need to take a step back to take a step forward. Um, that, that's that's what I ended up doing.
0: Okay, great. So tell me about how do you go from guy who likes music to I now get paid to teach people music to, or as a vocal coach, I think is is what you kind of told me before. Mm-hmm. So... How do you do that? Like, how did you promote yourself as that in the online world? Was it easy to get clients? Was it difficult? Do you primarily rely on referrals? Like what's the, how does it all work?
1: Cool, cool, cool. Um, so that's a really, really good question. And um, I think for maybe a lot of your listeners who might be thinking of running their own coaching business or the, like an online business, I think the biggest thing is, number one, just get started. Like you, you got to get started. And And what I mean by get started a lot of times is you have to offer free work. So, um, you have to be able to somehow show your, your service, like the way you can help people, right? Cause otherwise no one's going to, no one's going to check you out, right? There's, there's just no reason. And so, um, a big, big thing that I did was I actually looked out for a lot of, um, forums, a lot of places where maybe my potential kind of the people I wanted to work with would hang. And so I was checking out like Reddit, Facebook groups, all the, all these different places. Right. And all, all I did, I, I just listened Because a lot of people there would post things on, okay, I need help with this, I'm trying to sing higher, I'm trying to sing my mixed voice, all all these different kind of stuff, right? And you just got to see if you can answer them, give some kind of helpful suggestions. Hey, maybe you could try this, I noticed this is happening with your voice, try this. And if they see value in that, you then take them to the next step, which is offering them like a free kind of consultation. And so I I did quite a few free consultations and I still do it now, right? Um, Not as much though, but just giving them a chance to get familiar with you. Um, and so I would offer these kind of free consultations at 15, 20 minute lessons where I can actually help them with this a, a problem. And from there, most of the times when people who do see enough value, they will go, okay, well, how do I keep going? How do I kind of book in full lessons with you? Um, and then obviously things would go from there. Um, but that that's a strategy I used in the beginning parts of my career. Um, it's definitely more now more, I'm trying to go through more of like an organic. So through like content marketing. So having enough content on like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, like my podcast, um, enough there to have people go, ah, oh, just from listening, watching me going, Oh, this guy's pretty cool. I could probably learn a few things from him. Um, and to the, to the point where they reach out and I'm getting a lot more traction there now too. And so I think it really depends on where you are with your career, because if you just first started, There's only so much reach you'll get with your content marketing. If you've got 10 followers, you have to gradually build that up.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think you said before, so you've been doing this for two and a half years now.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Two and a half years of vocal coaching. Do you meet up with people in person in Sydney or primarily online?
1: Initially, I um, actually did some in-person lessons um, just to realize how how outdated it was to be honest i know a lot of teachers a lot of of teachers will still do it right but then um, there's a couple of things that kind of hold you back which is you you're often in like a like like for a lot of people right they have to rent their studio and when you're renting your studio gosh that's like maybe half the lesson gone to rent and a lot of times right the room isn't even that good Um, it might just be a room with a piano a couple of guitars but it's often not like nice it's not the most furnished And so for me, I was like, hold on, something doesn't add up. Um, I don't have to do this. And for me, I started looking into online lessons. And frankly, I used to take a lot of online lessons myself. Um, So I I had no idea why I wanted to take the physical route because I I think with technology and how far it's come, especially like, gosh, we were recording like this really fantastic kind of um, video Mm -hmm. on, on Riverside, right? The Technology has come so far to a point where a lot of the problems that used to exist, maybe bad internet maybe bad audio quality, a lot of that can get compensated by getting a better mic, upgrading your internet connection, looking at some of the technologies out there. Yes, I might not be able to come in and touch your belly. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't come and touch your belly, but I can look at it and tell you to maybe kind of stand in a specific way so then I can kind of adjust. And so um, I, I know a lot of teachers would be like, oh, like, like you have to be in person to get the most experience, maybe. Um, and I think the world is moving forward, especially with covid all those teachers have transitioned to online teaching now um and it's just it's just i I guess a story that goes well a lot of things that we used to do might not have to be like that anymore
0: Mm -hmm, for Mm. sure and it sounds like so your transition when COVID hit probably wasn't i don't want to say it wasn't difficult but you already knew how to do it in that Mm. online space whereas a lot of people probably had to figure it all out right when march hit or whenever it was for them
1: Exactly. exactly
0: Yeah. Now, have you found, like, did it get a little more difficult to run your own business in March? Because I've, well, starting in March, I mean, basically when COVID hit, did Mm. it get more difficult to run your own business? Because, uh, I guess I'm just really curious about that because I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, I've talked to other people who've had to literally close up their shop, right? They couldn't Mm. open, they couldn't have people in there. But when Mm. you run everything online, did you notice much of an impact?
1: I actually boomed. Did Um, you? Now, I, I, gosh, like a lot of, a lot of your listeners are going to hate me for this. Um, but I, I think if you set yourself up, right, things can actually work better. Like I, I have my own coach and he runs a lot of online lessons as well. And he, he also noticed a big kind of spike in clients because guess what? A lot of people are starting to work from home and they're like, oh, yeah. I'd like to do something right with my spare time. They started going for their hobbies. Um, And I think that's that. That's where we kind of really pounce in on that opportunity. And I think there's still that right. Like it's not as crazy as what March and um, March to June was like, but people are starting to think differently. I, I have a lot of people who still go like uh, back then go, oh, like is online lessons a thing? Um, but I guess now post COVID, it's on their mind. Like if they're going to take a lessons a singing lesson, they probably might opt for the online lesson just because of safety and the added convenience. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. For sure. I mean, for whatever the cost
0: is of a teacher, um, like you mentioned before, the studio cost took a big chunk of your profit. But now, in theory, your prices could be lower because you don't have to pay for that, but you're still Mm. taking a higher percentage of the profit because you're taking 100% of the profit. And for those other people, they save money and they don't have to drive somewhere, so they're saving gas money. So it's all these little things that really start to add up.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: You know, it's funny, the different things that, and this is not career related at all. This is just a funny story. The different things that because of COVID, I think people really started like paying more attention to and, and people finding their hobbies. So finding people like you to coach them. I noticed something maybe two months ago, three months ago, my parents were moving and uh, Mm. to the up away in a smaller house. So I had to kind of get all my childhood crap out of their house. Well, I found a binder with all my old Pokemon cards from like 20 years ago. And I thought, okay, are these worth anything? So I went and looked them up online. Turns out now, finally, Pokemon cards are worth money again after 20 years. But the one thing I realized is every person in the world was pulling out their Pokemon cards because they're all stuck at home looking for st- hobbies. And mm. they're all sending them in to get graded, which is some ah. company that you know, tells you if your card's in mint condition or not. (laughs) So the wait time on getting cards graded went from like three weeks to six months because there are so many people doing that. So, you know, when you said you boomed, it made me think like there's probably people who can't even find coaches because just there's not enough people out there i mean i suppose a lot of musicians who who are gig musicians maybe transition to doing exactly mm. what you're doing right now as mm. well mm. but uh anyway it just made me think of that story so
1: yeah no i think that's a great thing because like like i'm not sure if you've seen this right but a lot of a lot of the businesses we know today as like the big ones actually boom from gfc um like for example uber uber came from that right i think airbnb as well those kind of companies right which maybe 20 years back would like Like, gosh, never heard of these before. They've now become mainstream kind of names. Um, And I think there's always going to be businesses that grow and businesses that that don't work as well, because I think it's the ones that adapt to the situation that kind of work better. Maybe in the future, maybe online lessons become terrible. Gosh, like, why would you even do video lessons? Maybe you should do something VR. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe maybe that, right? Um, And I think the ones who keep adapting are the ones who are going to keep going.
0: That's an interesting way to think about things like you're already, you can already see what the future might hold. And it looks like mm. you've got a whole room to record in right there. So you can get your big VR rig <laughs> set up in there and start doing your lessons. That looks yeah.
1: good.
0: Oh, yeah. Perfect. Awesome.
1: All
0: right. And so you, you mentioned that you've got a podcast and that's how you do some of your, your marketing, which is a really cool way to think about it. Because I think a lot of people assume that, um, I think a lot of people get into podcasting with the idea that like, I just want to monetize right away and make money off of it. But I've heard from so many more people that they use it as just a tool to market themselves and their own business because making money mm. from a podcast is very hard. So mm, um, mm. what is your podcast? I mean, I know what it is, but tell the people who are listening, tell them <laughs> about your podcast, where they can find it.
1: Absolutely. So um, my my podcast is Singing Simply. So um, the real, the real mission with a lot of the content I put out there is to make singing simple for everyone because a lot of times, gosh, when you're learning, you can get mixed in the jargon. Like a lot of terminology, a uh, terminologies thrown at you, but a lot of it, I guess, can help. But there are simple ways to go about things. Um, and so, um, if you want to find the podcast, you can check it out on like your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, it should be all there. Just search "singing simply," um, and you should you should get my um, my podcast popping up. So it really, right, if, you're, if you just want to kind of get some knowledge on singing, learning how to sing, but without the complexity, that's where my podcast really comes in.
0: Perfect. Well, I know that uh, I listened to an episode, but it's not going to help me because I had a roommate in First year University who was a music major. And he told me that if I ever tried out for Canadian Idol, I'd get on the show because I'm Uh that bad. So I, uh, maybe I should listen to more of your podcast. Um, Uh but I kind of think at this point, like, it's probably not going to do much to help me. I just, I feel like I don't really care. I enjoy singing anyway. But my point is, you know, Mm. I've recognized that I'd, I'd probably better spend my time doing other things than learning how to sing. But I'm sure there are people listening out there today who are going to, uh, take you up on that offer check out your podcast and then if they're looking for vocal coaches what's the best way to get a hold of you
1: right just check out my website so uh, i am on singingsimply.com um so singingsimply.com real simple um you can also find me on instagram so if you have any questions you can dm me there i'm just sing with ivan i don't know why i don't know why i've chosen sing with ivan but it felt a bit more personal than singing simply um so you can reach me out over there you can check me out on tiktok tiktok is where i'm starting to kind of grow a bit more as well that is sing with Ivan 3. <laughs> so uh, a little slight slight kind of variations. I should probably clean that up a bit more. But I do want to get back on to that point, Jonathan, because I think um, like obviously like if you wanted to get better better at singing, right? But I think for a lot of your audience who you might have that similar mentality, which is, oh, um like like I, I could never sing or like even if I was singing it would be for, like for like fun right or like for as a joke. I think that's true, but also not true. It's true in a sense where um, like, there's there's no pressure. You don't have to be good at singing. But I think if you ever wanted to, even if you aren't able to do it at the moment, you totally can. It's just like learning to throw a ball, throw a ball. Some people cannot throw a ball, but then you can learn to do it, right? Same thing with singing.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know. Maybe you give me a little more confidence here. Maybe I'm going to have to try and pick it up again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I will throw the links to all those things you mentioned in the show notes. So if anyone's <laughs> listening to this, go to my website and it'll be in the show notes there, just links to all that stuff. All right. Well, Ivan, that was a fantastic career story to hear. To go from consulting, working at a, a financial institution to, to becoming a vocal coach, a story I never would have expected. So <laughs> thanks so much for sharing today.
1: Thank you very, very much for having me, Jonathan.
0: Alright, so that is Ivan's career path, and now that we know how he got from where he was to where he is, what can we learn from him? I've got two takeaways from this story. Number one is that we spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure out what we want from a career, but it can be just as effective trying to figure out what we don't want in our career. Ivan talked a lot about his internships, which sound quite a bit like what we would call co-op terms in Canada. And I've talked about the value of co-op before on Career Crossroads. The general concept is that students get experience working in their industry while completing their degree. And Ivan's experience is a perfect example of why that's important. He got to try out a number of roles that he then realized weren't really for him. Actuarial sciences, not his thing. Accounts payable at a private equity firm. He thought the work was dry and boring, and he specifically said that these internships gave him great clarity about what he wanted and didn't want. And beyond that, Ivan had similar experiences in the real world. Working as an auditor, he just got tired of looking at numbers all day, and in digital marketing, while it was helpful in some ways, it just wasn't the right fit for him. Now, there's no regrets in Ivan's story. He needed to do these jobs to figure out that his true calling was, in fact, music. Takeaway number two, success does not happen by accident. For those who want to strike out on their own like Ivan did, a plan will help facilitate that success. Think about how Ivan got his coaching business off the ground. He didn't just up and quit his job one day and decide to be a vocal coach. He thought about it for quite some time and he started building up a client base while he was still working full time. It's also fair to point out some of the advantages that he had in his scenario. As he said, he didn't have to worry about paying rent and he didn't have a child to take care of. Another thing Ivan did was look for jobs that could facilitate the success that he was hoping for. He went and got a job in digital marketing specifically so he could learn to grow his own online business. And it's pretty nice when you can get paid to learn a skill set that you want to learn for another purpose, not just for your job. And it didn't stop there. When he eventually started coaching full-time, he took a part-time job on the side just to keep paying some of the bills while he built up more and more clients to the point where that job became a full-fledged full-time career. While I'm sure I could dig farther into this interview, that is some of what I learned from Ivan today. That's all for this week's episode of Career Crossroads. So now that we're wrapping up, go check out Ivan's Simply Singing podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes so it should be very easy to find. If you know someone who would be interested in hearing Ivan's story, please share this episode with them. And if you want to hear more interviews, go to CareerCrossroadsPodcast.com. You can also review the show while you're there and sign up to make sure you get notified about future episodes. Episodes like next week's interview with Priyanka, who went from a career in mechanical engineering to getting an MBA and moving her career from India to Germany.